Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we debunk the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. I am absolutely delighted that today we are going to debunk some myths and clarify some facts that absolutely will, I promise, blow your mind because I have with me Marsha Walker. Marsha, welcome to the show. Thank you, Marie. Happy to be here. Now, I'm going to tell the audience just a little bit about Marsha from her formal bio, and then I'm going to tell them the real truth. But let me start with the fact that Marsha is a registered nurse and international board certified lactation consultant. She has been assisting breastfeeding families in hospital, clinic, and home settings since 1976. So don't let that beautiful picture Fool you, she's older than she looks. Uh, Marcia is the executive director of the National Alliance for Breastfeeding Advocacy, Research, Education, and Legal Branch, otherwise known as NABA Real. As such, Marcia advocates for breastfeeding at the state and the federal levels. Marcia has done pretty much everything that you can imagine with the International Lactation Consultant Association, the U.S. Lactation Consultant Association. She has been in positions of leadership as long as I can remember, and I will just tell you that because of Marcia, I was invited to serve on the original founding members of the U.S. Breastfeeding Committee, and I would never have had that opportunity if Marcia did not invite me on. So you can imagine that um, I owe a big debt of gratitude to Marcia for that personal invitation, but we all owe a big debt of gratitude to Marcia because she has been what I think is the biggest most vocal advocate for breastfeeding in the United States for more years than I can remember. So, Marsha, I am so glad you can be with us today as we start to talk about breastfeeding under fire. Yes, indeed. Well, with that introduction, I I hope I can live up to that (laughs) in my (laughs) old doddering age here. (laughs) I think you can. Now, audience, uh, and by the way, I know that we have listeners in 65 different countries, so for some of you, this may not ring as big of a bell, but at least for us here in the United States and probably in North America, we have seen so much of breastfeeding under fire, and by that, I mean, no, we're not lighting a match and setting breastfeeding aflame, but we do have a lot of inflammatory comments in the media and Marcia's here to talk with us. So, Marcia, tell me, is it just me or do we have an extraordinary number of negative messages out there in the media saying that breastfeeding is, quote, dangerous? I, I hate that dangerous word, but is it just me or is there a lot of that floating around? It's not just you, Marie. Um, I've, been, I've been doing this for a very long time, and this recently is the most egregious um, 
smear campaigns against breastfeeding that I have ever seen, including that which is being done by infant formula manufacturers. In other words, what what we're seeing out there now is um, social media reports, internet, um, sensational um, blogs, um, often not necessarily accurate, very often both, both misleading, deceptive, and full of misinformation, and worse yet, disinformation. So it's not mm-hmm. just you. It has escalated over the last couple of years to amount to something that is I'm very concerned about because it's, uh, of its effect on parents. I agree. Uh, anytime that I see that word dangerous associated with anything that is baby-related, I'm thinking, if I were a new parent, I'd be freaking out. It, it's just... Uh, but it is over the top at this stage, Marsha, would you say? Yeah, it, it's to the point now where it's not only parents that are being affected by this, but it's also health care providers yes. in terms yes. of, uh, of what they are uh, advising parents, in terms of their, their policies and protocols, what they're doing, this type of thing. And, it, and that's, that's very worrisome. Exclusive breastfeeding is not dangerous. It never has been. What, the, what these reports, and, and again, we, we can't even verify some of these reports that we mm. see on the Internet. So we have no idea how accurate they are. We don't know any of the real background to these. We don't know if these stories are being ghostwritten and planted. Mm. Oh, so there's good point. No, there, there isn't a way to sort that out unless one actually talks to the, to the quote, mother or parent that is making this report. So we have to be very careful. And what worries me even more, Marie, is that some people will believe anything they see yeah. on the Internet or social yep. media yeah. And, yeah. and are not using critical thinking in order to sort through this because some of these facts are deliberately missing. Um, sure. Research is being misinterpreted. Narratives are distorted. And conclusions are inaccurate. And when it's hard enough to be a parent and to breastfeed without having to sort through all of what I just said. Right, right. Well, you know, in 1897, Adolf Oaks, who was the owner of the New York Times at, at the time, created that famous slogan, all the news that's fit to print. And by the way, that still appears on the masthead of the New York Times today. The problem, I think, is that now print is not the problem. And it just feels to me like anybody can publish anything they want to on social media and everyone reads it. And oh, by the way, then everybody forwards it to their friend. And there is there is no uh, regulation, common sense, logic or anything else. And it seems to me like the headlines have become more and more sensational. They have. And yeah. that, that garners attention. There are many people who use social media platforms um, for their own aggrandizement, for, the, for their own self, oh, to make themselves yes, feel better. Yes. So you, you have, on top of what's being posted, you've got cyber trolls that will go through there and stir the pot, which <laughs> makes it yep. even worse. So, yes. so we, we have, we have um, tactics that label um, us as um, extremists. Radical. We're called 
uh, lactivists or breastfeeding Nazis or other types of of extremism that is very intentional and it undermines breastfeeding sentiment and support. And and that is is a tactic that's actually used by um, tobacco companies, by big pharma. It is a, it's a very effective one because Mm -hmm. if... If clinicians are labeled as such often enough, people start to believe it. And that, that's, that's very, very worrisome. The thing is, any action by somebody who is well-meaning, or a well-meaning lactation consultant, is often judged against this narrative that the parents are reading online. And then... It's misinterpreted because most lactation consultants, breastfeeding counselors who, who talk about uh, breastfeeding to new parents, they're, they're no more zealous than, than a physician that encourages you to stop smoking or to wear your seatbelt mm. or to okay. eat your vegetables or anything like this. <laughs> right. it's, it's, the, it's the interpretation that comes from, oh, that person is, is, is a lactivist. She's just trying yeah. to make me breastfeed or make me oh, stay yeah. with my baby overnight or this type of thing. And it, it sets the wrong stage. It sets an adversarial um, mm-hmm. situation that really shouldn't be there. You, you know, Marcia, somehow when you were talking, I was thinking that some, I'm going to say 15 years ago or thereabouts, it was before social media got real big anyway. I remember reading this headline that said, uh, Rocket fuel found in breast milk. And I remember, <laughs> the, yeah, that was a headline. I remember in, that. You remember that? Yeah. yeah I remember okay. that, yeah. So this was in the newspaper. And I actually, I still teach that when I uh, teach my my course. I say to people, okay, so how do you think that this came about? And, of course, nobody really knows. And I say, tell me this, which will sell more newspapers? or in this case, you know, social media, but it's the same idea. Which one is going to get more attention? A headline that says rocket fuel found in breast milk or a headline that says uh, percolate levels high in American women. You know, those uh, that, that headline is not going to get people's attention. So it just seems to me like there's this, this thing that is get people's attention for how bad breastfeeding is and then make the people who are talking about it sound like there's some sort of nutcases when in fact, uh, you know, we're, we're not. You talked though, Marcia, about these lack of facts, misinterpretation of research, distorted narratives, conclusions that are inaccurate. I found one actually just in preparation for this show, but do you have some favorites that you can think of that are really just totally wrong. There, there is a there is a campaign out there that mm-hmm. supposedly uses research to back up its narrative. And what what happens is they will they will make a statement um, with with numbers in it, saying something like ten percent of vaginally delivered and twenty five percent of cesarean delivered exclusively breastfed babies lose excessive weight in the first days of life. Okay. Now, that sounds awful, awful. to a parent. This, right. this, this sounds terrible. I mean, it sounds terrible to me as a clinician. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I said, oh, my goodness. If I, if I exclusively breastfeed my baby, look at what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. When, in effect, that's not what the actual reference said. 
Okay, so the fact um, has been distorted to meet the goals of a smear campaign to portray breastfeeding as very dangerous. Well, Marsha, yeah. I think I know. I think I know this campaign that you're talking about, <laughs> and uh, I read one uh, that was on their website, and it said, and I quote. Uh, a glucose of less than 46 mg's per deciliter within the first 24 hours has been associated with a 3.7-fold increase of risk of brain injury, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, wow, uh, I'm not even this kid's parent doing the the uh, breastfeeding here, but I'm seeing this glucose level thing. And then I'm thinking about the doctors that I have seen that come in and say to the mother, we've got to give your baby formula because uh, – your baby's glucose level is dangerously low. I've heard that statement. I'm sure you have heard that statement. So oh, anyway, yeah. I, I see this on this campaign, and I'm thinking, well, that's kind of scary even for me, and I think I understand this. But lo and behold, I go to the citation that they give. I read right. the original study, something that most parents and actually most providers would not do. Honestly, Marcia, there is not one word in there about breastfeeding, not one. I looked with my eyeballs. I did an electronic search. It is not there, not breast, not breastfeeding. It's not there. And so the other thing that I noticed was that the study was done about the glucose with these kids that were born between 1994 and something or other, well, bam, my antennas went right up. All I could think of was, well, right, because in 1994, I was in the hospital. I I wasn't in the hospital. I was working in the hospital. And I know exactly how poor our breastfeeding rates were, how much supplementation we gave, how much, how little support we gave for breastfeeding, la, 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 la. And I'm thinking, You cannot just take that information and say, so therefore, that is going to happen to you and to your baby in the year 2018 with your breasts and your milk. This is just, it's like, I I see the citation, I see the numbers, but the conclusion, and they don't really tell you what conclusion to come to, but guess what? People are going to say, well, then I don't want my baby to have a glucose level uh, that is so low. And yet, Marcia, you and I know that the World Health Organization says that those magic numbers are not magic. Would you agree? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but the other thing, Marie, about that study, I think I know the one you're referring to, it was done on infants that were high risk. Okay, not uh, normal healthy babies. No, that one actually was with, uh, they, they said it was term neonates. Now, I didn't go into all the details, but I'm sure you're thinking of others because I can think of those too, where they've lumped yeah. all these kids together and you cannot put term healthy infants in the same pot with a baby who is in any way compromised, premature or whatever. It's just, it's right. not yeah, I think it's the TAM know. study, T-A-M. Okay. The, okay. Yeah, the babies okay. were under 36 weeks of age. They were high risk for... Um, encephalopathy, in other words, they were, these were very high-risk babies. And so what happened was when, when a study like that is cherry-picked and misinterpreted yep. Yep. and all of, the, all of the, the, the rest of the facts about the study, especially about the subjects, are not given, it makes it appear that, oh, my goodness, if my baby's glucose level drops below 46, I'm in trouble, when actually that's not true. Okay. So, right. we we have many ways of helping with hypoglycemia, but of we course. don't need to scare parents into saying, "I want my baby." Well, there's one study that said that all all babies 
breastfed babies who had lost uh, 5% or more of their birth weight had to be oh, supplemented right. with formula. Right. right. Now, and we, what's and a parent supposed to think here? Absolutely. Hey, listen, tell us what the parents are supposed to think of when we come back. Hey, everybody, I'm Marie Biancuzo. I'm here today with Marsha Walker. We'll be right back after this short break. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Marsha Walker. We are talking about breastfeeding under fire, that is, under fire in the media. So, Marsha, we talked in the first segment about how there are these reports out there. We don't even know who they're coming from. They could be ghostwritten. They seem to skip over the facts. They uh, aren't necessarily drawing the right conclusions and so forth. But here's my big question, because I find myself in sort of these, you know, tug 
tug of war is sometimes, by the way, with my own family, it doesn't necessarily have to be about breastfeeding because trust me, all <laughs> there's plenty of junk out there on social media. But how can we help people, parents, professionals, whoever it is that's reading this stuff, how can we help them to take a step back and not swallow this stuff hook, line, and sinker? Can you give us some tips here? Well, the first tip is to be educated. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of the patients I work with, yeah. the first, yeah. the first <laughs> provider they go to is Dr. Google. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So, so here you go to the Internet to get educated. Now, it depends on what they're reading because some of the stuff there is quite good sure. and some of sure. it is just beyond belief in terms of <laughs> inaccurate and just downright wrong and right. potentially uh, could potentially cause a problem with, with some mothers for, for poor health outcomes. So ra- rather, than, rather than jumping there or, or worse yet, going on to social media and asking all your buddies online and on the um, social media platforms, well, what do you think and what did you do? I have found that many, many parents will, they'll take the advice of somebody that they have contacted in their oh, social yeah. media, or even oh, a, yeah. even a stranger, before they will call someone someone like me. Right. I, so, Marcia, I was, just lived that about three nights ago. It's it's or mm-hmm. three days ago. Yeah, absolutely. You're so right. So what what can we do to help? And that is that is to help parents and and um, mothers, fathers, parents, whoever understand that they need to go to a reputable source for this information. Now, who's the reputable source? Yeah, that's well, it depends. Well, this is it. It depends on on who's in their community and where they can get the support. We have we have just um, a vast number of places for parents to go. They can contact an international board certified lactation consultant. They can contact their local WIC program for WIC peer counselors. They can contact baby cafes. There are right. many right. organizations that provide very wonderful help with breastfeeding. There is La Leche League. There are local organizations all around the country that can give that type of help. And so what we would want parents to start doing is to contact those entities. There is a service called Zip Milk in several states, Z-I-P-M-I-L-K, where you go yep. to the website and you plug in your zip code, and it lists all of the breastfeeding supporters around around your zip code. So there there are a, there is a lot out there, and the first thing to do is contact some somebody like that, some, somebody or an entity or uh, that is reputable. Every single state has a state breastfeeding coalition. Yep, yep, they do. Who can be contacted? Who can refer? mothers to to local help so we, this, we want that first and foremost the second this thing this would be a good time marcia uh, uh, um uh, i just want to clue our listeners in marcia mentioned several things and for those of you who haven't followed this show routinely just in the last six weeks or so we did one whole show on uh uh, breastfeeding USA and another one on breast the breastfeeding cafe which Marcia just mentioned so if you want to learn a little bit more about how they work there you go uh, Marcia second tip yes second tip is for healthcare providers mm. and that is we all must be educated we all must have education we have to have top-notch skills 
We have to understand what we're doing, what we're working with. When I went to nursing school 100 years ago, breastfeeding wasn't even mentioned. (laughs) There was nothing on breastfeeding at all. Correct. I know because I I had to learn it on my own. On my own. That's how I learned it. Right. And what I find now is there are many courses out there that clinicians can take to learn more about breastfeeding. There are a lot of resources that they can go to so that when they encounter mothers who who either have just kind of normal issues or mothers who have high acuity issues who are at high risk and babies who are high risk, they can better help them breastfeed. Because I think part of the reason we are seeing such um, discourse on social media is that there are poor outcomes that can happen. They can oh, and do happen definitely. with breastfeeding. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And Marcia, you and I have seen them. We know that. I, I have seen more train wrecks over the years than I care to admit, and there is right. something we can do about that, and that is, that is incumbent upon health care providers. We mm-hmm. have to be doing a better job. Absolutely. So it works it's- both ways. And so understand, those of you who are listening, Marsha is not telling you that you should be uh, lackadaisical or not worry about this stuff, but rather that you should get the real information. And Marsha, I am so with you on that Dr. Google stuff. It just drives me out of my mind because, you know, sometimes they get good information by uh, using the Google search. Oh, yeah. And other times they get terrible. And then, then I hear, well... Marie, but this is what I read on the internet. And I want to say, well, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean, mean, mean that it's right. I want to go back to these campaigns because, Marsha, honestly, until, I don't know, semi-recently, the last, I don't know, few years anyway, it it didn't feel to me like there was some sort of organized uh, strategy for fighting off uh, exclusive breastfeeding. Now it feels to me like there's one or more campaigns that are out there that are, in fact, uh, designed to deliberately suggest that that breastfeeding is dangerous. So do you know, it? I don't know if there's a fact for this or maybe even just your professional opinion, what's the motivation for this stuff? Money, legality, publicity, uh, you mentioned self-aggrandment, uh, self-aggrandizing, uh, anything else? What's what's fueling I, this I, junk? With with some with some of what I read, and like I said, you, you, it's very difficult to tell um, ghost writing from truth. Right. But I what I hear, that. what I hear yeah. is anger and pain. Okay. Point taken. And, and I think yeah. I think some some of these poor outcomes, rather than rather than turning the anger and the pain and the frustration and the disappointment into something that is positive in terms of a campaign that helps raise money to better educate uh, providers or something like that, the, the, those, those feelings, those emotions have been turned into something that is, is very vicious and poisonous, mm-hmm. and, it, and it, it portrays just a toxic look at breastfeeding itself and anybody who wants to help with breastfeeding. So the the motivations are unclear. Okay. I don't think it. I don't think it's it's um, financially. I don't think it's pecuniary because the formula companies. Well, they're probably laughing all the way to the bank anyway. Uh, they yeah. they do a good job as it is. So I don't think it's right. it's, it's coming from that. I think it is okay. coming from from uh, 
perhaps other types of emotions that are being turned outward in a very negative way rather than turning this around into something that we can, we can make better. We, yeah. we need to, to, mothers need to trust their instincts. If they think something is wrong, if parents think something is wrong with breastfeeding, they need to reach out to a credible provider right away and not sit and wait days and days and days and not take no for an answer and not leave without getting the issue taken care of. And that's what I see a lot of this going on. I agree. I Oh, I definitely agree. Yeah. I'm thinking too, Marcia, you know, in the days when everything was in print, you could write a letter to the editor. Now, for those of you who don't know Marsha Walker, trust me, Marsha Walker has written probably a gajillion letters to the editor. Yeah, and I got two more, two more in line now. Uh, but nowadays, there's no way to chase down everything that gets published on the web. You simply can't. No, so you can't. You know, here am I sitting outside of Washington D.C. If something came in the uh, the Washington Post, yeah, I could pick up my, well, not my pen, I would write it on, on the computer, but but still, I could send my note to the Post. But I can't possibly send my, my response to everybody that's out there on the web, and it's just kind of... It's just way out of hand, in in my opinion. So, Marsha, how did how do you deal with this? Because the two responses that it feels to me like I get are the web said whatever, whatever, and the other piece is that I think that the professionals are exposed to. Uh, okay, here's one that I heard. Uh, I don't know. It's probably a year or two ago on. Uh, Everybody, including physicians, were asking me if there was any truth to fennel m- making more milk. To, oh, uh, no, no, to uh, no, no, not the. Uh, no, I take that back. If there was any truth to Gatorade making oh, more yeah. milk, I remember that one. Yeah, remember that one. Okay, I think it was and blue so, Gatorade, wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't I, it think, a I think you're right. It was a certain color. I can't remember the yeah. color. But yeah. anyway, here's the problem. The doctors weren't necessarily asking me. They were telling the patients what they had heard, presumably from other patients. I don't know. Got it on the web themselves. I don't know. But then what do you do when the mother comes to you and says, well, my doctor says that Gatorade will make more milk? Do you have a handy way to deal with this? Because I don't. I just kind of stand there thinking, well, your doctor's wrong, but. Uh, yeah, well, we never say? say something like that. No, we never say something like that, but we think it. No. Yes. What do you say? Well, the first thing I say, well, that's interesting. Where did you get this information? Um, has there been anything published about it that we can read about together? I've seen no data to support that. However, um, I think there are, let, let's take a look at your situation. Let me see the baby feed. Tell me, you know, I, I would take a history and go through this. And what I try to do is to negate what she just said, but in a way that is very positive and basically kind of sidesteps it. And yeah. so then we, we get back to saying, well, this, this, you know, and, and if you want to drink Gatorade, that's fine. Sure. However, I think what I'm going to do is put together a feeding plan for you that I feel would be most appropriate for this situation. And so we know perfectly well that there is no shred of data about Gatorade making more milk. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. But the thing is, it, to me, if she believes that that's going to happen and it's not harmful, yep. I'm not, I'm not going to discount it outright. What I want to do is kind of, kind of sidestep it. 
And I, yeah. I see that I had, I had a mom call me up one time and said, I think my baby is allergic to something I'm eating. You know, I saw oh, yeah. all these symptoms after, after I one. ate. I said, well, what is it that you ate? And I'm thinking, oh, it's probably a gallon of milk or, or you know, the, the usual culprits. And she said, well, sure. I had pork chops, and I think the baby is allergic <laughs> to pork chops. I said, okay. <laughs> no, no I, I didn't laugh. I said, okay. Um, pork chops are not necessary to sustain life on this planet. Um, we can get along without them. I said, well, you know, did you have any of the other more common ones and, you know, this type of thing and, and work our way through it without, without really saying, no, no, you're wrong, but right. saying, well, right. you, maybe you want to eliminate them for, for a few weeks and then try it again when the baby's a little bit older. You know, this type of thing. So sure, that we, sure. we, allow, we allow that to happen because the, the mothers have good intentions. They're sure. asking us these questions because they are so concerned. And if anybody is that concerned that she's going to call me up, text me, or, or email me and ask me these questions, then, then I say, okay, fine. You know, we're going we're gonna to get to the bottom of what's going on. And if she doesn't want to eat pork chops and she wants to swallow Gatorade, that's Okay. Right, but we're gonna right. we're gonna we're gonna actually go to what is 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 the issue here, and we're gonna put yeah. together a very yeah. cogent and evidence based feeding plan for her to get beyond whatever that challenge is. And you know, Marcia, that's the piece right there, which is the Gatorade. If they want to drink, that's fine. I don't care. But what I do want to do is realize that if she thinks that's going to increase her milk supply, there's absolutely no evidence for that. I want to get to the bottom of. First of all, does she really have an inadequate milk supply? Or oh, is this that is exactly her, it. Do, or is right. that just a, a misperception? And then yeah. number two is, if she does have an inadequate milk supply, then I want to help her to actually get a good su- milk supply. And drinking the Gatorade, frankly, isn't going to do that. So, that, that you know, it. It, and, and again, I think this goes back to what we're reading in the media, which is we've got all these reports of not enough milk, not enough milk, not enough, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, honestly, Marcia, I, I, I listen, I just talked to somebody a few days ago who thought she was not making enough milk. She was making about 60% more milk than any other mother I've bumped into in a while, okay? But... That was her perception was still that she didn't have enough. And so I think it's really as we read these these reports that are out on social media, know that perception is sometimes different than the actual situation. In reality, right. Absolutely. Right. And a lot of it, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like sometimes what I do is really not anything genius. I just help to reframe what's going on, get help people to get a grip, get the the misperceptions. And it's like, oh, well, yeah. And so I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is the reality can be different, but what gets reported on social media, it's no wonder we're in the the situation that we're in. Hey, everybody, well, do exactly, not go away. Exactly. And those mother, the right. mothers need that type of help. They need to go to somebody who has the skills, the knowledge, the education, the training, and the experience to be able to sort through all that. Totally agree. So hey, this, everybody, this don't is, go away. I'm, I'm going to be right back with Marsha Walker. Don't go away.
What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. And just before that last segment, I just cut off my esteemed guest, uh, Marsha Walker. So, Marsha, this is kind of a twofold question. First of all, I think that you have helped listeners to understand that things that are adverse do happen. Exclusively breastfed babies do get readmitted to the hospital at 7 or 10 or 14 days. I mean, it's for dehydration or hyperbilirubinemia or something else. We know we know that. We're not saying it doesn't happen. And a little later in the month, we certainly could have babies who have failure to thrive. I get that. But I guess my question is twofold. First of all, 
how do we help parents to have information and perspectives without playing the danger card? And the flip side to that is, what about mother's instincts? Because I am real big on the fact that, uh, you know, honestly, I think I learned this working labor and delivery. Mother's instincts are just tremendous. So can can you address this sort of two sides of the coin here, which is how to not freak out every time something happens, but how to trust your instincts? Well, well, yeah, we do know that babies get readmitted. We do know that there can be poor outcomes. Um, one of the things I did is I created a handout for parents. Nice. That goes through when they should call and who they should call. <clears throat> so if you go into the hospital and you have an operation or a procedure or something like that, you're always given a sheet of paper when you're right. discharged or oh. when, you know, when, you're, when you're done with whatever. And yeah. on that sheet of paper, it says, um, this is what you should expect. Uh, if, if your incision becomes infected, if it turns red, if it's oozing pus, if, if you have a fever, then call your doctor immediate, you know, immediately. That type of information is given out routinely. Totally. And it's given out specifically for making sure that there are not bad outcomes to whatever right. procedure you just had. Right. So what I did is, um, as a matter of fact, the, the current issue of the journal Clinical Lactation, which mm-hmm. is the official journal of the U.S. Lactation Consultant Association, that current issue is completely devoted to this topic. It's a special issue. Okay. So it's, it, it goes through exactly what we're talking about today, and that, that is available from USLCA. Now, one of the things, I've got an article in there, and one of the things I put in there were, are a couple of handouts for parents. One is what you need to know before you leave the hospital in terms of breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. The second mm-hmm. one is one of these discharge sheets that says, you know, for the most part, everything goes well, but... If this, this, and this occurs, then here's what to do. If this, this, and this occurs, then here's what to do. You know, this type of thing. So that we are arming our parents with, the, with information so that they know if something, if something doesn't look right, and like you say, using their instinct. Yes. But it's, it's, that, it's, the, it's looking at the sheet and saying, well, you know, this sheet says that, you know, my baby hasn't had a... Um, a wet diaper in, in, in a while. I wonder if this means the baby's not getting enough, you know, this type of thing. I better sure. call because that's what it says to do here. And this is exactly what we want. We cannot prevent all of these outcomes, but we can prevent a lot of them, I think, if we monitor our moms and babes and families a little more closely. We know babies and mothers in certain situations are at higher risk for certain outcomes. And if Mm -hmm. we know Mm -hmm. that there's a higher acuity level in these moms as they're being discharged, then we need to make sure that they are followed even daily if necessary. And I think part of the problem, Marie, is that we are not following these families close enough after discharge. Yeah, and I think sometimes we think that they're going to call us. And the truth of the matter is, sometimes we've got to take the initiative and call them. Right. Because, as you know, life gets ahead of you. And being a new parent, well, shoot, being a business owner, whatever you are, sometimes life gets ahead of you. And, Marcia, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking another thing here, which is these sensational reports that we've talked about in the media. It occurs to me that there's not 
an appropriate amount of balance because you and I have both seen that there can be bad outcomes with exclusively breastfed babies. We're, We're not denying that. But the amount of good outcomes that we've seen far outweigh the bad outcomes, at least in my experience, would you say? But they don't generate sensational headlines. Exactly. They, they, don't, yeah. they don't allow yeah. these people to portray themselves as saviors, as, yeah. as, as somebody who needs to be thanked for saving babies from, from these horrible yeah. people that are making them breastfeed. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had not occurred to me, but that's right. It's right back to the sensational headlines, which is where we started out uh, today. So, Marsha, how do you... I like the handout idea. I have created uh, handouts for the hospital when I worked at the hospital. I've created uh, a nice handout for... uh, several nice handouts, but one uh, right here that has to do with not getting enough milk and so forth. But my worry is that that gets lost in the pile somewhere when they get home. And then what do they do? They hop on social media. Well, we need to take advantage here of this, Marie. I'm so glad you brought this up. Oh, please. Where do do our mothers live today? They live in the digital expanse. There is a smartphone in the hand of everybody. I swear babies yep. are going to be born with little ones when, they, when they're <laughs> born. They're going to have a little smartphone in their hand, and they're going to check it to make sure that mom's got milk or something. That's so where, where, do we, where do we contact these moms? How do we get to them? We get them by texting. Yep. Not by yep. phoning. Not by, we can right. follow up daily or twice daily or three times daily if we need to by texting. Yep. That's, that's how... That's how moms and parents are living today. They don't answer the phone, they don't return phone calls, and they don't pick up a phone to call. What they do is they text. Marsha, I'm that, in the same that, boat, and I'm not a new mother, yeah. I, and, and I'm not a millennial, but I... I don't you know, we I do, do that, too. both of us? You know it. So, uh, let's see. It's just let's see the way if it we is. Can, if we, yeah, let's see if we can come to the mothers where they are. Where are they? They they will respond to that little ding. It's like Pavlov's yep. dogs now. When that little <laughs> ding on your phone goes, even yep. I do that. Yeah. Oh, I got to yeah. see who this is. Now, if I want to talk to my grandkids, I text them. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm thinking it's... that we we may be better off giving our information to our moms through texting. And there yes. are text there are text programs out there that are doing this. Sure. And sure. there are there are agencies and entities that are finding that they can get on top of these problems well before they become a huge issue if they are texting the moms and asking questions and making sure the moms are texting back what's going on. So if we are discharging a mother and a baby pair that to us have a number of risk factors for per breastfeeding outcome, and we give them a sheet of paper that says, "Oh, just call here if you have a question." We're putting that's risky. That's risky business because basically a lot of those mothers are not going to call. Correct. Correct. Okay, but if it's we if true. we if we know these mothers are are likely to have a problem, actually we're discharging them with the problem. Then we can text them twenty minutes after they get home. They should be discharged with a feeding plan, and then we can we can watch that much more carefully. And if it looks like things are going downhill, then we get a home visit done, or we get Absolutely. the mom and babe back to the hospital to look at what's happening, so that we we at least we can't fix everything. But I think we sure. can decrease the amount of of these poor outcomes that are going on. 
Yeah, uh, and I can think of a situation that I had just a few days ago where a mother texted me about something that was, frankly, a non-issue. But, you know, I was able to say to her, oh, that's normal, all is well, let me know if you need me. I was a little more diplomatic than that, but basically, you know. Uh, But I also know that that's the kind of thing where if you can give easy reassurance, that's good. If, but it, I think it goes to your point, which is they're not going to be sitting around waiting for a call. Well, you certainly can make the call. And, and I do believe there are people out there that are willing and able to take the call. But I think that you make a, a good point, which is texting, uh, you know, it's what everybody does these days, including me. It's just the way it is. Uh yeah, and Marsha, I think you've made another really good point, which is, and I just heard you say this a few minutes ago. Well, I'm going to quote my friend Debbie Bokar. I wish I had a nickel for every time that I have repeated this phrase from Deb. She says, most breastfeeding problems are transient and solvable. And that's the piece that these sensational headlines don't take into account. And what I just heard you say was, yes, let's identify the people that are at risk in the first place. Let's be open and willing to take these other text calls, whatever they are. Let's have handouts. Let's do all these kinds of things. But remember that most of these things can be fixed if you get on top of them early. Would you agree? And that's, that's the piece that's important. Is, is getting on this stuff right away. And that's why I like mother's instincts. If yeah. they feel that something isn't quite right, ask the question. Because nine yeah. times out of ten, they're right. There, there may be an issue here. And I, I have found that, I don't know how many times, I would, I would get a, a, a phone call where I worked, and the mother would say, well, you know, I don't think this is really a problem, but I was a little concerned you know, about this, this, this. And she brings in, sure. I, I have her come in. And I look at what's going on, and here, here's this baby who had lost weight, who was, was yellow, was obviously jaundiced, and she said, well, he breastfeeds all the time. So I watch this baby breastfeed, mm. and the baby's jaw is going up and down. Going He's up not and down. swallowing anything. Right, 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 there's right. No, there's no swallowing. So we have a situation here mm. that we have to fix immediately. Now, if she hadn't come in, we wouldn't have known that. And boy, that bears repeating, Marsha. I, I wish I had a nickel for every time I've said this to professionals. <laughs> I'm a little more diplomatic with parents, but it's still, baby's jaws going up and down does not constitute breastfeeding. Swallowing is what constitutes breastfeeding, that they are getting milk in their mouth and they are swallowing it on down. And if they are not swallowing, now I will guarantee you, in the first I don't know, 24 hours or so, even if they are taking in um, uh, the colostrum, it is hard to, to hear. Very I agree hard. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, That's I, why I, I use that. a stethoscope. I'm old, yes. Marie. <laughs> I have to listen for the swallow with a stethoscope. <laughs> but but that, that's okay. But you're listening and you're telling the parents that listening is important. And yeah. sometimes I will even say to the parent, look, at, I've got my ear right down here, but guess what? Your hubby, your partner, your mother, your friend, your whoever, they can listen. You know, this is this is not real tough to do here. You might not, you're too far away. You might not be able to hear it. But certainly by the time that the mother has a copious supply of milk, you should be able to hear that without having your ear or your stethoscope right down there, certainly. But it's bothersome to me that people think that just because the 
and and oh, I could just go on and on. I know you could too, but you've seen these situations. We've both seen these situations, and I think maybe my uh, message to listeners here is: Marcia and I have both been in this business long enough to know that sometimes you you just really got to get like I'm going to say the real facts as opposed to what you think might be the facts. And that really is what this show has been all about here today. And it involves, as Marcia says, critical thinking. It involves questioning who is writing what, who is saying what, and and what their their credibility is. Uh, Marcia, we've only got a minute or so, a uh, little less than a minute. What have you? Anything else that you want to add here before we go today? No, I think we've I think we've covered a lot. We want you. We want parents to trust their instincts. If they think something might be wrong, get help immediately. Don't wait. Yes, yes. And get the and help from, from somebody who knows, knows their business. Their stuff. Yes, yes, most definitely. So, Marsha, I know that you're at the grandmother stage here, but if you had to stand up, have your baby tomorrow morning come out of your body at 8 a.m., would you still do exclusive breastfeeding for your baby? Absolutely. There's no question about uh-huh. it. Absolutely, yeah. So these scare things don't necessarily scare the people who are uh, who know their fa- look at Marsha. Neither one of us is an anthropologist, but I think we are smart enough to know that it, it, in the in the old days, you know, I used to say, "What do you think Cave Woman did? She didn't go down to the Walmart and buy formula to supplement with. You know, she did exclusive breastfeeding." And somebody's going to say, "Yes, but some babies died." Yes, I get that, but if it really took the supplementation in order to to survive for for the whole species to survive you know where would we be but i think that the you've got to really believe that the human body is meant to birth and to breastfeed and it's a matter of just being able to uh to believe in that and to make it work. So, hey, everybody, uh, once again, this hour goes way, way, way too fast. But before we close up today, I would like to thank uh, Marsha Walker for being with us. Marsha, thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure. My pleasure and my honor. Thank you, Marie. Alrighty. For those of you who actually want some good information, remember, you can go to MarieBiancuso.com. That is MarieBiancuso.com. I blog twice a week, very faithfully. It only takes you three minutes twice a week to read my blog. I will give you the real information. I promise you, I do know what I'm talking about. You are welcome to subscribe, to comment, or whatever. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. Give us a a rating on iTunes. You know that sharing and rating matter. And so don't keep that information to yourself. And remember, when things get a little crazy, it's okay. You're going to be able to do this. I will see you next week. And in the meanwhile, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 